City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome into another episode of The Stinger. Uh, I am Eric Barnes, your host today. I've got my co-host with me, fellow ECU Pirate alum, Atticus Ferguson. Uh, how are we doing today, Atticus? Eric, I'm doing great. It's great to be on here with you. Excited to talk a little Hornets ball and a little uh, NBA draft with you. Aren't we all? It's all top of mind right now. A few weeks away, the question on everyone's mind. Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. Um, so today what we're going to go over with, obviously we're going to go over those guys. Um, to start off with, I'm going to let Atticus kind of lead us off, kind of give his general take on the situation. I'll give mine, and then we'll just uh, continue to get into it. So Atticus, if you want to uh, let us in on what's going on in that head of yours and uh, what do you think about these two guys? Yeah, so – you know, you and I have obviously been texting pretty constantly since the draft lottery concluded, uh, since we kind of had our hearts ripped out a little bit there, coming so close to getting the number one pick. But we quickly quickly pivoted over to uh, being excited from moving up from potentially getting the fourth pick over to the second pick. Um, and, you know, all the discussion around the NBA draft is pretty much surrounded the Charlotte Hornets, right? And is it going to be Brandon Miller? Or is it going to be Scoot Henderson? Um, and through our text – you know, I won't give away your your stance on it, but you seem to be a little more 50-50, whereas I'm I'm pretty heavy in the Scoot Henderson camp, right? Um, I've I haven't missed my words there. I've been pretty strong on him, uh, and I got a few reasons. I mean, I, I think you're hearing this a lot uh, around Hornets fans and the NBA community in general. But it, you know, for every quote you read about Scoot Henderson, I, I think it's hard not to fall in love with his mentality, right? Um, you know, yeah, every quote, it, it seems like he has that personality that, you know, obviously you, you want to competitor in the locker room, but he seems like his personality can really permeate the locker room and a team can take on his identity. Right. And you get that with the mellow ball a little bit. You know, he plays with that carelessness and that freedom and that love of the game, that joy. And you get some of that now. Oh, 
but you want someone that kind of has that raw competitiveness that, you know, I, I hate to use this because it's such an overused term in sports and just pop culture in general, but he's got that, that dog to him. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's something that, you know, the team can really take on his entire identity and his competitiveness there. Um, and, and I don't really see anybody who has that right now. You've got some guys like Terry Rozier, um, you know, if they, if they are to bring back like Miles Bridges, I think guys like that have some of that dog in them a little bit, but it's not the type of thing where they're going to say, Hey, get on my back or this. We're all going to play this way and take on this identity. And I think that's something different that he brings to the table. You know, you get a lot of comparisons, with the way he plays stylistically to like a John Morant, uh, Russell Westbrook, Derek Rose, but someone he reminds me of a lot in terms of sheer personality. And there's some things with their games as well that remind me of one another, but mainly from a personality standpoint, he reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, you, you see Jimmy in the finals right now. I'm um, carrying the heat there. You've got everybody praising heat culture and Jimmy Butler. And I feel like Scoot's kind of like a Jimmy 2.0 there. Uh, so the, the more I'm watching Jimmy Butler in these NBA finals, carrying the heat and doing all that, the more I'm, I'm wanting Scoot Henderson to be in Charlotte. Another thing too is, you know, with Scoot, he, he seems to be mature beyond his years, right? Now I've got a few quotes here. If you can let me pull them up. I was reading an article from the athletic about him the other day. Uh, just a couple quotes here. So, uh, for instance, Scoot Henderson has developed a knack for doing things extraordinarily early. He became a pro at 17 in 2021, signing a two-year deal with the G League to become the youngest professional basketball player in U.S. history. This season, he started his own AAU program, which won for boys and girls, despite still being a teenager. But such accomplishments don't really face Henderson anymore. He has gotten used to this precious life. I kind of get over that, Henderson told The Athletic, like thinking that whatever I'm doing is wild or whatever I do is like historic stuff like that. I just try to maximize what I got right now, and I'm in a bust position right now. He likes to flip back and forth between two books at once. He prefers ones on self-development. He calls reading the best school for me. Henderson seeks out develop self-development books because he seeks progress. He doesn't want to just prepare for success. He also wants to be ready in case of failure. Because I know there's going to be like downsides of this young and being successful thing. He said, inside you're not going to always feel great, so I try to minimize that. Just make sure I'm always okay for real. He adds, I don't like failure, so I don't want to ever see that. I mean, all these quotes. It, I mean, those are elite quotes. You don't hear 18-year-old guys talking like that. I mean, I know I wasn't talking like that at 18. I mean, it's crazy. Some of this, I'm like, I don't know that I'm talking like that right now, and I'm going to be 25 <laughs> at the end of the month. <laughs> I mean, he's wise. No, 100%. He's, curious, he's got that maturity. And if there's one thing this Hornets team seems to lack sometimes, you know, on the court and obviously with some of the stuff off the court, it's maturity, right? Uh, and so you're getting a guy who I, I don't think you have to worry about him off the court. He seems very mature, seems like a leader, has that uh, that you know, tenacious mentality. Uh, you, you love everything about him. Exactly. He's got that dog in him. He's got elite intangibles. And, and that kind of brings me into the Brandon Miller discussion a little bit, right? Whereas Brandon Miller, obviously a very nice basketball player. I feel like with him, you're adding a really nice piece that fits into the system well. And obviously, I think we'll touch on this a little bit more throughout the episode. But you know, a really attractive thing about Brandon Miller, especially with this Charlotte Hornets roster, is his fit, right? But I feel like with him, you're adding a really nice piece. Whereas with Scoot, you're adding – a culture setter and a culture changer. I think that's what's really different uh, between the two. Also with Brandon Miller, you know, it's not fun to talk about, but it's impossible to ignore the off the court situation, right? Yeah, I mean, it exists. It's it's a real thing. That's part of the package when you draft Brandon Miller. I mean, that that comes with it. 
Right. And, uh, you know, the, the thing with that is obviously the Hornets have had uh, no shortage of their off the court spells with, you know, Miles Bridges, you've got James Booknight, you know, you've got all sorts of off the court issues that we're facing. And after a while, you know, obviously winning, they say winning cures all, but it's, it's tough to, to sell a team to your fan base, right? Especially in a small market and adding another guy who has question marks off the court. I, I just think back to a couple of years ago when this team was on the rise and Lamelo was coming out and, and you had Eric Collins going crazy with Miles Bridges and the, the team was so fun to watch. They all seem like they like each other and, and there's still that element to it, but they just really seem so likable. And I think the more and more you're getting with this off the court nonsense, it, it's just like they're, they're losing a little bit of that. Some of that's been lost on. You, you lose some of the purity. I mean, I, I definitely get that. I mean, and, and as fans, you know, obviously we, we go to the games, we want to cheer on our guys and, we don't want to have a thought in the back of our mind like, oh, but we just want to go out there and, you know, cheer with all hearts for him. So, I mean, definitely yeah. understand. Yeah. I mean, it's – and there's going to be some of that anyways if, if they – which I know you and I talked about this, oh, you know, off the air. We expect them to bring Miles Bridges back, so there's going to be some of that anyway. Uh, I guess right. part of the argument is maybe you don't want to multiply it as much with a guy like Brandon Miller. Um, but – if nothing else, you just don't want to have to continuously worry about these things off the court, right? And I think with Scoot, plain and simple, you're not getting that. But again, he's someone who can help as you're going to try to reestablish the culture of this team and kind of regain control of your locker room. I think Scoot's a guy that helps you come in and do that. He's just focused on winning, um, you know, high character guy, very mature. I think he's a kind of an old soul. And, and you know, people talk all the time about how this team needs good vets. I feel like what good vets bring is what Scoot brings in at how old is he now? 18, 19. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely agree. And, and going off that. So let me, let me get into my Brandon Miller takes here a little bit. Um, We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So just going off what you said, though, I do agree. That is why that I consider taking Scoot Henderson. Because I think guys like that, a mentality like that, leadership like that is very very rare and then you combine all that with his package his bag if you will of I mean elite athlete I mean he's rocked up I mean good god you you don't want to be the guy standing next to him at the beach I'll tell you that (laughs) um so yeah I, I agree with all those things um but getting into Brandon Miller a little bit for me now we just talked about Scoot and that leadership. To me, there's two kind of things that I really value a lot when it comes to the NBA and team building. One is length and shooting, and that's what Brandon Miller has. And then the second thing is what you talked about, that mentality, leadership, high basketball IQ, you know, won't be denied. Like a Jimmy Butler you talked about earlier. When it comes to Brandon Miller, I mean, he he's like my dream. I mean, as far as like a prototype wing Six nine. I mean, the shot is just pure, and it's one of those shots that, you know, there's a lot of good looking shots out there, but it just looks easy. Like it, it doesn't like he's trying too hard. It's just nice and easy, and and it flows off his hand. And if that isn't enough for you, I mean, he was just under forty percent from three on over seven attempts a game. 
I do think that's something that kind of gets lost when people talk about Brandon Miller. People are like, yeah, he's a good shooter like any other good shooter. And I get that. But you also – it's not just open catch and shoot. I mean, there's self-creation. I'm not saying self-creation for him is like a overriding strength or anything like that. But there is enough flashes that you can see him continue to grow that with his game. Um, and in that frame, how often does shooting like that come in a frame that's 6'9 with a 7'2 wingspan? That's very rare, which is why he's in this conversation to begin with. Um, I mean, in 2023, he's a prototypical wing, kind of much like we talked about. And if you draft him, it really gives you a lot of options. I would say that his best position or his most likely position he's going to play is the three. But in small ball lineups, you could easily have him on the four. Uh, If you want to go – Big, if you want to go big, you can play him at the two. He has a shooting. Now, he doesn't quite have the creation that you would probably really desire at the two. Um, But it's not like he couldn't do it. Because really what you are in the NBA is what you can guard. And for me, two through four, I mean, he's going to be, I think, at least adequate guarding those positions. Um, And that's where with Scoot Henderson, I get a little concerned is he's got the strength. He's got the quickness at point of attack. But sooner or later, 6'2 is 6'2". Now, that, uh, that probably doesn't really become an issue until you get into one of these playoff series and you're getting picked on over and over again. Um, and I know there's a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans out there. We just want to get there. And I do think Scoot would definitely help us get there. Um, but but that's just kind of gives me a little pause because just my philosophy on building teams. Lamelo's 6'7", but we all know he's skinny. He's not – when it comes to lateral quickness, I mean, he could be better. And then just – 6-2 is 6-2, and, and the league's getting bigger, you know. Um, and something I want to mention about Brandon Miller. So what's the right home about is his shot, right? I mean, everybody knows he can stroke it. Um, I don't think his playmaking gets as much credit as he deserves. Um, you know, the assist numbers are pretty good. I think he was uh, – I don't have the numbers right now, but I think he was like two or three assists a game. And watching Alabama, it's not like he had a super high usage rate. He wasn't just dominating the ball. He was playing that off-ball role, you know, playing his role um, while still being um, probably the central point of that offense. Um, But you look at the success he had. I mean, how many true freshmen come in and are the best player on the number one team in the nation? That just doesn't happen often. I'm sure there is some guys I'm not thinking of right now, but the first person that comes to mind to me is Carmelo Anthony. And we all see how that went. He had a Hall of Fame career. I'm not saying he's going to be Carmelo Anthony, but Brandon Miller does intrigue me. Um, Just wrap it up with what I've been seeing a lot of people online. It's just, I will be very happy with Scoot Henderson, but if it's Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller is good at basketball. It is not a bad thing if we draft Brandon Miller. This is not Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, I saw someone online compare him to, it would be Frank Kaminsky over Devin Booker. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> Frank Kaminsky was like 22 or three and, and just not even close of a comparison to me. Anyhow, that's kind of my quick run through with Brandon Miller. Um, go ahead and shoot some holes in it if you want to. No. Yeah. I, I, I agree with the last take. I mean, I think if, if you're someone who is going to freak out over Brandon Miller over Scoot because of the off the court stuff. That's a different conversation than if we're just talking basketball, we're talking basketball and you think we're drafting, you know, this is, this is an Anthony Davis to Michael kidd Gilchrist level drop off. Then then you haven't been paying attention. 
my thing is, of course, I think Scoot's a culture changer. I, I think he has the, the the potential to be very special and take the team to another level. And I, you know, I think the drop off is Brandon Miller maybe is a just a multi-time all-star. That's a nice piece. I think both are very good situations to be in yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and and so let's open it up a little bit. What do you think of Scoot Henderson's jump shot? Because you know, of course, that is one of the knocks on him. You know, every draft cycle, whether it's NBA or NFL, no matter how good the prospect is, you know, they got to find something. So, for you, I mean, what do you think about the shooting? Do you think he can progress it? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that. While you were going through your spiel there, that's something I realized I forgot to touch on in my initial kind of monologue there. So, I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, there's concerns over the jump shot with Scoot, right? And, and understandably so, um, with the way – you know, it's a shooter's league these days that that completely makes sense. But, you know, going back to when LaMelo Ball was drafted, a, a big knock on him coming into the draft was his three-point shot and his ability to shoot the basketball, right? Uh, but we know LaMelo's a, a competitor. You know, he's a gym rat. And we know that the Hornets also have done a very nice job. A couple situations where the jury's still out on like a James Book Knight, a Kai Jones, who we all knew was going to be a long-term project. Well, and to me, real quick, while we're here on James Book Knight and Kai Jones, to me, from the outside looking in, that was the front office just say, hey, we're swinging for the fence. Like, we don't know if we're getting a rotation guy or a guy for sure, but especially Kai Jones. I mean, they knew it wasn't going to be a right-of-way type of thing. Sure. But um, sorry to interrupt. You continue. No, and, and that's something we should definitely dive into at some point there. Uh, but the jury's certainly still out on those two guys, in my opinion. Definitely. I'm not ready to give up on either just yet. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of those two guys where there's some question marks, they, the, the Hornets do a really good job at developing young talent. And I know a lot of times you really see that with the second-round guys that they draft. But they do a really good job at developing the young talent. You've seen LaMelo become a better three-point shooter every year, even though I know last season was a little abbreviated when he was in and out of the lineup with injuries. He really seemed to be shooting the ball really confidently, which he's never had an issue with, uh, and at a pretty nice percentage. Uh, Scoot Henderson, like we touched on earlier, he seems to be an extremely hard worker, someone who's extremely dedicated and, and very receptive to coaching. I think the Hornets would come in and do a nice job of developing that shot, refining his game in other areas. I think he's going to be willing to do that. I would be surprised if Scoot Henderson, let's say the Hornets draft him at two, if he comes in in year one and in the first couple of months, you haven't already noticed that his shot is better than uh, the scouts were giving it credit for. It kind of, The same thing kind of happened with LaMelo, if you remember. He was immediately yeah. a better three-point shooter than we thought he was going to be entering the league. And he's only gotten better since. I think Scoot's going to have that exact same trajectory with shooting the ball. I think he'll be a little bit better initially than you expect him to be. And it's mm -hmm. only going to get better from there. I think it's giving yeah. the same kind of rise as LaMelo's had. Yeah, although, I mean, I I would be happy if we took Brandon Miller. When it comes to the, the knock or one of the big knocks on Scoot, the three-point shot, for me, I'm really not that concerned with it um, because if you look in the mid-range, he's good in the mid-range, right? Um, I mean, it's he's, like Jimmy Butler. He's, kind of, he's kind of a tactician there. Um, I've seen some draft analysts on, on different shows say the, the form looked funky. I don't really see that, but I may have an untrained eye, you know. Um, also, to, to make another Lamelo comparison, like I was saying, Lamelo's got a funky release. Yeah, works fine. For well, him. and to me, when it comes to the funky releases, well, one, it's obviously about the reps you have, the muscle memory. But it's like when they shoot it, does it look natural? Do they look comfortable? And to me, when I see Scoot Henderson shoot the ball, 
he looked completely comfortable. He doesn't look like he's doubting himself. I mean, he's very confident putting it up. So I do think – I don't know if he'll ever be a above-average three-point shooter, but if I was if I was a betting man, I would say that he at least becomes, you know, league competent, 33 34 35%. And if he gets a 35% on threes on, say, four to five attempts a game, I mean, I think you're looking at potentially, you know, multiple-time all-star, potential superstar uh, with Scoot Henderson. So, I do like Scoot. I mean, there's a lot to like. To me well, – well, let's pivot to this. To me, when people talk about the field yeah, and, of the middle – I want to say one more thing on that, too, is well, I remember early in the career of Miles Bridges um, and, and now in the early stages of JT Thor's career, but especially his rookie year um, when he had some, some spot starts uh, when guys were out with COVID – I remember seeing Miles Bridges, and he wasn't a great shooter when he came into the league, but I remember just thinking, you know, he gets it up. He has a good form. It looks smooth that's coming out of his hand. He's comfortable. You know, you don't have to completely rebuild this guy's mechanics, right? It's just going to take reps. Right. Once he has that repetition, I think he'll be able to start making shots consistently. And you saw his last season with us prior to his suspension, he was shooting the ball at a pretty nice clip, and, and he clearly improved on that since he entered the league. JT Thor's shown you a nice stroke for someone his size and and has had put up some good numbers percentage-wise, especially at the end of last year when he was playing in high-end volume. Uh, so, again, the Hornets have a good track record of bringing guys into these situations and improving on these things uh, and, and just developing players, uh, their young guys in general. So that, that's another reason why I think Scoot, no matter where he goes, will improve on that just because that's the type of guy he is. But especially if he comes to Charlotte, I think he's put in a really good position to do so. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we've seen over and over again in the NBA, shooting can be improved. You just got to have the work ethic. And what I was talking about, what we were both talking about a little bit earlier, if you just look comfortable and confident doing it, if you put in the reps, you should get better. It's like anything else. You practice, you get better. You practice, you get better. So, and from everything we've talked about, I definitely think Scoot's got that work ethic in him. So, I mean, I'm pretty high on Scoot. I would be very happy if he ends up a Charlotte Hornet come June 22nd, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think the Hornets are the beacon uh, for much in the NBA, but if you're paying attention, which not everyone pays close attention to the Hornets, even some members of our own fan base maybe aren't paying super close attention, but they do they do a really nice job of bringing these young guys along. So Yeah, I mean, I agree. Mark Williams, PJ, mm-hmm. LaMelo, um, second-round guys. I mean, there's a whole handful of them. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, the development has been pretty good over the last uh, half decade or so. So what I wanted to get into on on still on Scoot is I don't worry about LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson offensively. Offensively, I think they're a great fit. Um, what concerns me is the defensive side of the ball. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I just don't know what that looks like. I, I think Scoot has the – he has a skill set to be a good point of attack, but – he really can only considering his height. I mean, he has a big wingspan. He'll definitely be able to, and, and his athleticism, he'll definitely be able to, you know, block, have some highlight blocks and stuff like that. But once you get into a playoff series and you got LaMelo, who's probably a subpar defender and you got six two scoot, that's where I worry with the team building. Cause kind of like I mentioned earlier, my philosophy, I want all long guys. And that's, that's one thing why Brandon Miller is so enticing to me because there is a scenario in lineups where he's playing the two for you. Um, and kind of putting the spotlight back on uh, Miller a little bit, when I think about Miles Bridges and kind of what he's good at, obviously attacking the rim. I mean, we all know. We've all seen the highlights. I mean, he he 
I mean, it looks like he's trying to hurt the rim um, every time he dunks a ball. Um, but I think Brandon Miller's skill set, say say Brandon Miller can't play the two for this exercise. So you have LaMelo. He's an elite shooter. I think we can agree on that. Um, Brandon Miller, elite shooter. Both of those guys on offense, they do kind of have, you know, I don't think either is going to ever be an above average uh, driver of the basketball. But if you have Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges as two complementing wings, I think the way that Miles attacks the rim and the way Brandon Miller shoots the ball is a very nice compliment to be able to attack different defenses in different ways. Um, so, I mean, kind of threw a lot at you there. I mean, but 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 do you have any thoughts on, on, on any of that? Yeah, so I'll kind of start with the way you started there. You were talking about Scoot and LaMelo's fit defensively. Uh, I, I think a lot of this really depends on the direction their organization's going, right? We know if MJ sells, that could mean Kupchak's out, that could mean Clifford's out. But for this exercise, let's just say that Clifford's going to be the coach for the next at least three seasons, right? Right. Uh, so Clifford's identity is obviously heavily revolved around the defensive side of the ball. Um, you saw the team make some nice strides last season after a while. I mean, at the end of the season, I don't, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but they were putting together some really – good defensive metrics uh, with yeah. some less than I Shout out Mark Williams. Yeah, yeah. And they were putting out some lineups there that were uh, random 2K-generated lineups at, at times, you thought, right? <laughs> there were some crazy – I mean, I mean they had – they were playing the swarm sometimes, at least watching them. That's what it felt like. Literally, literally. It was, it, was, uh, it was pretty incredible to see the random lineups they were putting together. But putting together some good stretches of defense and some good defensive metrics, right? So – I think, you know, Clifford, obviously, he seems to have – I know a lot of people will say a 27-win team. Or how much buy-in was there? There seems to be a lot of buy-in on the defensive end. Uh, the team really stuck together in general last year. I don't want to get on too much of a tangent about the buy-in with Coach Clifford. But uh, there seems to be buy-in there. And, um, you, you know, I think that LaMelo is a guy who is a willing defender. He's not a great defender yet. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great defender. Can he ever be a competent or good defender? I think yeah, and I think that's what you're looking for, right? You're yeah. not every guy has to be the elite, you know, shut down. You just got to be able to play within the team scheme and not get picked on every single time down. And I think if LaMelo and Steve Clifford is a long-term marriage, I think you're going to see LaMelo uh, continue to invest on the defensive end of the floor and become a better defender. He's obviously got some attributes um, that lend him to, become a good defensive player you know his length we see that become bothersome a lot i'd like to see him maybe stop guessing uh, on these plays a lot where he's trying to go for the steal it's nice when he gets it and gets a little highlight um fast break but you know other times he's getting beat on his man and, and someone's wide open they've got a four on five uh so i think that comes with time maturity and and good coaching and steve clifford say what you want about him but he's a good defensive coach uh with scoot henderson no doubt you, you did touch on this you know he is six two but he's got i believe it's a six ten wingspan um, six nine, six ten, yeah. Either way, yeah. So long wingspan, and, and obviously you touched on it earlier. Just a huge guy, right? So he plays bigger and longer than he is. Um, I know. So as as far as defensively with him, I also think he's someone that's going to be willing to buy into whatever Steve Clifford's pitch uh, preaching there. There's obviously going to be mismatches with his size occasionally. That's just the nature of the beast. You're not going to be able to avoid that at times. People are going to be able to screen him onto a disadvantageous matchup, right? But Ultimately, I think he's going to be someone who's going to buy into what Steve Clifford's preaching on the defensive end. I don't see that as much of an issue there. Um, as far as Brandon Miller goes, 
obviously he has that length. You, you know, you can't teach height. Um, that's going to be something that's a little bit more uh, ideal for you. If you and, could, I would already be six five by now. I'm, I'm right. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you know Brandon Miller. A lot of what we're talking about here. He seems to, you know, when the NFL draft, you hear a lot about like pro ready, right? This quarterback's pro ready. Maybe this quarterback's right. the better prospect long term. Brandon Miller seems like he might be a little more quote unquote pro ready, like year one. But you're not, you're obviously not drafting to try to win a championship this year if you're the Charlotte Hornets. Um, so that, that's why I'm thinking on everything from you know the defensive end, the offensive end. I, I'm looking at more of the long term approach with Scoot, whereas Brandon Miller, I still think is going to be a really nice player long term. Yeah, I think some of the concerns about Scoot Henderson will start to erode long-term, um, whereas Brandon Miller may not have some of those blemishes when he enters the league, but maybe doesn't have quite as high of a ceiling. Right. Well, and, and that's something I want to get into real quick is, you know, we try to wrap it up here fairly soon. Um, do you think, Brandon Miller, do you see a world where – let's just say a front office, the front offices of the Charlotte Hornets. We'll just say the Hornets. Um, do you think there's a world where they're like, you know, when we look at this guy as a prospect, we think he's just as good or, or very close to to Scoot Henderson. Because I feel like a lot of the conversation is, or at least the way it sounds or way it comes off to me is, oh, well, Scoot's way better. You know, it's not even close. But my thing is, if they view them kind of the same and it is close, the tie goes to the 6'9 wing over a 6'2 guard, you know? But then it goes back to the question, do you think it's close? If it's not, then you take Scoot. So so what, where do you stand on that? So if you're asking me what do I think the Hornets front office is thinking, you, you never know, especially around the NBA draft, the NFL draft, what is and isn't smoke, right? So it's hard to decipher, but let's let's just say for the point of this exercise – that Mitch Kupchak isn't blowing smoke. I think they're looking at Brandon Miller and thinking there's, they may think Scoot's better. They may think there's a little bit of a drop off with nothing significant, but I think, you know, what we heard on the night of the lottery from Mitch Kupchak is, Hey, we can be a little picky and go for fit. I think they're looking at that, at this as, Hey, we've got a pretty good roster, right? Our, our uh, win loss record last year is not reflective of the amount of roster of talent we have on the roster. Um, and so I think that they're saying, hey, Brandon Miller's a really, really high-end player who's an excellent fit, whereas I think they look at it as Scoot Henderson's an excellent player and a good fit. Uh, that's that's what it seems like the mindset of the front office is. Uh, they could be blowing smoke, um, or that may be what they think now, and this could change between now and the time the draft happens. Uh, I know Brandon Miller's coming in – believe next Tuesday. I believe Scoot's coming in uh, Sunday. I think they're coming in this weekend, I believe. Sometime. I think it's Scoot Sunday, Miller Tuesday. I could be wrong on that, but I know within the next seven days, they'll both be coming in for their workouts. I know Scoot is doing his workouts by himself. He's just working out for us. I already worked out for the Blazers. Um, I, I think where Scoot is going to win the Hornets over, if he is able to do that and if he hasn't already, right? We, we don't know right. what they're over there. I think if he's going to win them over, it's going to be in the interview process, right? They're both going to impress on the court. They're both going to see that these are two high-end prospects. I think where he's going to separate is when he has, you know, we read these quotes and we're all impressed. And these are just articles from The Athletic. We're not talking to him one-on-one, asking questions as people who are professionals at evaluating talent for the draft. Um, 
And, and I think too, what, one thing that's going to be interesting, I would love to know how involved Michael Jordan is going to be in the selection process, because when you read these quotes from Scoot Henderson, doesn't it seem like this is the guy that Michael, the type of guy that Michael Jordan would just fall in love with? It really does, man. It really does. I mean, because I mean, that was to me, that's the thing that I don't want to go to an MJ versus LeBron debate, but that's the thing that that separates MJ to LeBron was just that mentality. Like he's going to kill you. He's going to win at all costs. Like there's no, like you think LeBron's better, but you could still think that, that that's true about MJ. MJ definitely had that, you know, killer mentality more than LeBron. You could think yeah. one's true and the other's true. I'm yeah. an MJ guy personally, but yeah, he definitely has that demeanor and scoop falls into that kind of, he's kind of cut from that same cloth as a guy like Jordan, Kobe, Jimmy Butler, where they're ferocious competitors. Yeah. Well, um, and I also don't want to get into like, you know, generation debates, but I do think that in 2023, I mean, we're only mid twenties to late twenties, but I do think these, these guys, these kids now, they, it's just not as common. You find things like that. Just as yeah. societies continue to evolve, everything has just seemed, at least in America, seemed to just get a little bit easier. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people that disagree with that, but um, but yeah, I mean, and it, but the, I I do think that's one thing that makes Scoot wow. very very rare, and he's got it. And who knows when you see it again in the NBA draft? It could be five years, ten years. I mean, it could. I mean, it could be next year. You never know. But it, it is a very very rare skill and it is something that's kind of intangible too it's hard to put your finger on it you can't watch film and see that but getting a a guy like that that can set a culture in a locker room there's there's just so many ripple effects that that has on your organization um you never know where it takes you look at the miami heat they're not the most talented team but they play a team game um jimmy's their leader and they're all bought in so i i mean i'm right there with you yeah, I mean, I think the Hornets, going back to kind of what I touched on earlier, they've got this fun, joyous style and sense to them, and it makes them really fun to watch. But they haven't had anybody since we've got LaMelo that's really got that definitive edge to them. You've got guys yeah. that have a little bit of it, and Terry, and, you know, when Miles was <laughs> Miles was coming on, but – obviously well, what happened last year they were just getting started and then abrupt stop yeah. um, and which, if, he, if and when he comes back it's going to be hard for him to say hey guys follow me right he's going to yeah it, exactly because i did think he had some of those leadership qualities younger in his career but obviously the not even the big thing but there's just been multiple things that's happened with him where it's like maybe he doesn't have the best judgment you know yeah. um yeah, and, and not to make this a Miles Bridges discussion, right? But, you know, right. I think other guys, like, I mean, you know, Montrose Harrell, you know, you brought him in after the deadline a couple of years ago, and, and he kind of had some flair to him. And, you know, I, I really liked the, his style of play because he brought something to the team that I didn't feel like was prevalent. But ultimately, you haven't had a lot of guys in the locker room that bring that kind of flair um, that I think we're kind of lacking to some degree, right? I mean, you go and get punked in Indiana in the play-in game, you have that uh, picture of the score printed yep. out over your locker room all year long as motivation. And then you go into Atlanta and you get punked again. Like some yep. of that is inexperience. Some of that's maturity and some of that's just not having that personality and that edge to you. Right. It's kind of, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that they're soft, but it's, it, you know what I mean? I like, mean, they, there's at least a conversation there to be had, you know, but some would we'll, say we'll that put it soft. that way. I'm not, <laughs> some would. <laughs> and, uh, 
I, I don't I'll say this. We go into another playing game and scoots on the team, we're not getting pumped. That's for sure. Right. Um, so getting ready to wrap it up here. I do want to say um a couple more things. Um I will be very happy if it's Scoot Henderson. I will be as happy as anyone. Well, maybe not as anyone, because there are some guys on the internet that are it, it's next level, but I don't think you'll be I'll, the happiest person on this podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> right. I will be very happy with Scoot Henderson. If the sure. Charlotte Hornets do decide to take Brandon Miller, though, look, you're we're getting a great basketball player because I feel like what's inevitably going to happen if they make that decision, it's going to be worse than Jalen Duran last year. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, full meltdown on Twitter. Um, but we're getting a good basketball player, and we see how that ended up going last year. We took Mark Williams, Jalen Duran. I, I guess you could say he was more the shiny toy. He had a little more buzz about him. But if you look at Mark Williams. Like team or something, but right, I think Mark right, right. Williams projects to be just as good, if not better. I think that's right. where you're going with that. Right. Um, and and uh, he, he plays a role for us that we needed. And I think he he probably plays that role the way he plays the game better than Jalen Durant does. Uh, just my two cents. Um, but do you have anything else before we uh, close it out here, Atticus? No, I mean, I think I touched on pretty much everything I wanted to get at there. Um, so, you know, I know we kind of need to wrap up here shortly. So I think we can run unless you've got anything else here. But I'll be excited to see the news that comes out after this weekend and I guess early next week on the visits with Miller and Scoot Henderson and, you know, see if there's any quotes that come out of the front office, any smoke screens, any leaks. Right. You know, it'll be fun to – dissect the sound bites that we get out of the front office and the reports we get, see what we, what we buy, what we think maybe BS, see if we have a clear direction we're going in. Maybe someone just wows the front office and it becomes apparent who we're getting it to. Right. So I think over the next few days, we're going to get some maybe clarity, maybe more confusion, but we're going to get some more pieces of information that we can dissect and the fan base can overreact to. And I'm sure myself will, you know, we'll probably overreact when we first do <laughs> Take a step back and then actually analyze it. And, and that's the thing when it comes to reports. I just think back to last year. All you heard for two, three months leading up to the draft, Jabari Smith. It's Jabari right. Smith. He's going one. And then, what, five hours for the draft? Well, Bancaro's getting some buzz. And then yeah. an hour before the draft, it's Paolo Bancaro. So we literally spent months and months and months of people making podcasts, going on TV shows, saying it was Jabari Smith. And then last second, it was Paolo Bancaro. So, yeah, the, the betting odds shifted last second to heavily favoring, favoring Bancaro after it was uh, Jabari Smith the whole time. So, yeah, we may we may sit here for weeks hearing it's Brandon Miller, kind of like we've had some smoke about that now. And then it may be all along Scoot was the guy and Brandon Miller was an afterthought or, or vice versa. Yeah. Right? So you never well, And it could be from the GM's perspective, it could be, you know, he's leveraging a little bit. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe – the trailblazers want to move up to get Brandon Miller at two. I mean, probably not, but say they do. And then if you're interested in everyone, um, then you give yourself options. You can move back and, and add some assets and still get your guy. So as a GM, you never want to give away too much, you know, too much right. of your plans because you never know what moves are out there. You never know what can happen. I mean, it's the same reason why the NFL draft, when we have a generational talent QB that's going one, the team never comes out and says it because – you always want to have the illusion of uncertainty just to where you can leverage that in any situation. And then, you know, God forbid uh, something happens to the prospect that you were going to draft and then they're undraftable, whether it's, you know, something off the court or, or some sort of injury that's unforeseen, 
Um, you don't want everyone knowing, hey, that was our guy. You want to be able to say, no, 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 right. this other guy was our guy all along, right? There's all sorts of scenarios right. where, and hypotheticals that GMs just want to, you know, they want to keep their uh, cards as close to the best as possible, just in case they need to leverage something later on down the line in case something unforeseen happens. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, it's an exciting time to be a Charlotte sports fan. I mean, we go from the CJ Stroud, Bryce Young conversation two months later, it's Scooby Henderson or Brandon Miller. So we will see uh, what happens here in a few weeks. Uh, but Atticus, thank you for joining me. Um, and until next time, brother. Yep. Had a lot of fun. Can we do it again? Yes, sir.